Hear the word of God from Luke's Gospel, chapters 18 through 19, beginning in verse 35. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, Receive your sight, your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they also praised God. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I'm going to stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Morning, Waypoint Church. It's a joy to be able to open God's Word with you this morning as we continue journeying as a church through the book of Luke. If I haven't had an opportunity to meet you yet, my name is Peter. I joined the pastoral team here about a month ago, and so I'm slowly and continually getting to meet many of you and get, getting to know your stories. Mary and I have been reflecting on how much gratitude we have that God has called us to be part of what God is doing here in and through Waypoint Church. Don't let it get your head, but y'all are pretty great. <laughs> Speaking of getting to know people, have you ever been in the early stages of a relationship where you're asking those kind of routine questions? Who are you? Yes. Yeah. 
Maybe it's their age, their body type. Let's face it, we all have stereotypes, pictures in our minds for various things. The, the kind of people who do this, the kind of people who do that, the kind of people who belong here, or the kind of people who belong there. Voice calls out. 
Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. It's a voice that most ears would have tuned out. It's a voice that many from Jericho would have probably recognized, but wouldn't have been able to place whose voice that was. It's the voice of a blind man sitting on the roadside bank. In Jesus' day, the physical affliction of blindness was equivalent and synonymous with the economic position of poverty. This nameless blind man is probably one of many that lined the streets that day, begging, longing for a bit of hope. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Some of the leaders in the crowd were told they tried to silence him. Shh, don't bother. Interestingly, Luke tells us that they rebuked him. In verse 39, the same word for what the disciples did when the people were bringing their babies to Jesus. This nameless beggar didn't fit the picture of the kind of people that Jesus would set his gaze on. But he persisted, crying out loud, Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. I don't know why this blind man, what this blind man knew about Jesus of Nazareth. Maybe he overheard the story of the woman who simply reached out her hand and touched the edge of Jesus' arm, and she was healed. Maybe he heard the story of the lepers who were healed after an encounter with Jesus. Whatever he had heard, he believed that Jesus wasn't just anybody. He was Jesus, son of David. The blind man's title for Jesus echoes the promise made centuries before that a king would come from the line of David, establishing an eternal and righteous kingdom. This is the only moment in Luke's gospel where someone It's ironic that the man who cannot see is the only one in the crowd that day who sees Jesus for who he really is. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stops. I can feel the angst in the crowd as Jesus commands that the blind man be brought to him. Jesus' voice cuts through the murmurs of the crowd. What do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see. Jesus asks not because he does not know what this man wants, but he asks because he wants him to know that he cares. Jesus sees those who are unseen. He sets his gaze on those the world ignores. Jesus says to him, Receive your sight, your faith has healed you. Now, this word healed can be translated saved. Receive your sight, your faith has saved you. So, Jesus is doing more in this moment than giving life to this man's eyes, he's giving life to his soul. We're told. Receive his sight. 
followed Jesus, we began praising God. We were told the crowd joined in as well. Luke's painting a picture for us of the kind of people that Jesus seeks to be part of his kingdom. I wonder if the news about this blind man's healing was still buzzing through the crowd as we meet this next individual. His name is Zacchaeus. It says in Luke 19, verse 1, Jesus entered Jericho, and there was pass- and it was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. Now, if you grew up in church, you may have learned a Sunday school song. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. It's true, the text tells us that he's vertically challenged. It makes him harder, it makes it hard for him to see Jesus. But this wasn't the biggest thing keeping him from Jesus. He, it was his profession. He's a chief tax collector. Now, in those four modern years, this sounds like an advertiser's But to loose readers, this was a job title that would make your blood boil. The land of Israel was under Roman rule at this point in history, and the Romans would contract out the task of collecting taxes. Essentially, Zacchaeus is contracted to collect a certain amount of money from his own people and deliver it to the Roman government. The arrangement was right for corruption. Tax collectors would collect as much money as they wanted from whoever they wanted, getting rich off of the vulnerable. They were considered traitors by their own people, perpetuating oppression and benefiting He was a successful scammer. As one commentator put it, Zacchaeus' title, Chief Tax Collector, was the equivalent of Sinner Supreme. I wonder who you put in that category. Once again, I don't know what brought Zacchaeus to want to see Jesus that day. But I imagine that his line of work was low. That there was an emptiness that his bank account could have filled. I imagine that he heard rumors of Jesus attending a banquet at Levi's house, a fellow tax collector. In Luke chapter 5, we're told Luke had, or we're told Levi had left everything to follow Jesus. Zacchaeus wants to see who Jesus is, but he's hindered by the crowd. It's funny, I think Luke, the gospel writer, wants us to see parallels at this point in the story, that while They are both social outcasts. And they are both hindered by the crowds. And ironically, 
They are both unable to see. And so Zacchaeus runs ahead and he climbs a tree to try to get a glimpse of Jesus. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't remember the last time I climbed a tree. I do remember when I was seven, I tried out for the tournament soccer team, and I was so excited that I made the team. I climbed a tree, and when it gets me, I jumped out of it and broke my ankle. <laughs> my point being, when was the last time a grown adult climbed a tree? And all the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of 
that Jesus would seek. The kind of people that Jesus would associate with. He doesn't deserve Jesus. And ironically, Zacchaeus' response to grace is gratitude for the very same reasons. He knows he doesn't deserve grace. His response is, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus responds to him, today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. You see, Zacchaeus responds to grace with repentance and sacrifice. He owns up to the fact that he does not deserve Jesus' grace, and his life is changed by it. His salvation was not a result of him changing his life. Him changing his life was a result of Jesus' salvation. Jesus concludes with the key verse to this passage, and what many argue is the key verse of the entire book of Luke. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. You see, Jesus sees those who are unseen. He seeks those who struggle to see. And He saves those who see their own need. Jesus, all throughout this section, look back to Luke chapter 15, where he tells the story of the prodigal son. All throughout this section, he is confronting the idea that Jesus seeks those who only need a little bit That Jesus is seeking those who don't struggle. That Jesus is seeking those who have it all put together. He's confronting the pharisaical idea that Jesus is seeking the healthy. But as Jesus told Levi, the tax collector, back in Luke chapter 5, it's not the healthy who need a doctor. It's the sick. And so Jesus not only sees the unseen and he seeks those who struggle to see, but he saves those who see their own need. And that is the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus. Because when we are honest with our own hearts and souls, we all are needy. We don't measure. And the picture we paint of the kind of people that Jesus would seek is a far cry from the good news of grace that reaches all. You see, this blind man, the blind beggar, Zacchaeus, these two stories are here in Luke's gospel. To help shift our expectations and enlarge our picture of the kind of people that Jesus seeks and saves. Because while both the blind beggar and Zacchaeus were in many ways radically 
and save those who see their need for him. And this is the good news of the gospel. And I wonder for us, as we've been reflecting in the book of Luke, about this elder brother who grows after the younger brother, if we need to let these two stories sink in a little bit into our hearts and minds, let it enlarge in our picture of who it is that Jesus sets his gaze upon. And I think that the picture of this blind beggar and the picture of Zacchaeus is meant to take us back to Jesus' words, let the little children come to me. And unless we become like a little child who's completely dependent upon our Savior, we cannot grasp the gospel of Jesus. So some of you this morning, I wonder if you feel unseen. I wonder if there's ways in which you feel like you're on the outskirts of the crowd and you're lonely. I want you to hear this this morning. Not from me, but from the Spirit of God in Luke chapter 19. Jesus is seeking those who struggle with sin. And he sees those who are unseen. And he saves those who see their and so my encouragement to us, if you've been walking with Jesus for a while and you have received this grace, I think sometimes we forget that it's in our need that we can see Jesus probably most clearly. So when we gather in these spaces, when we gather as community groups, when we do life together as the body of Christ, let us be a needy people. Because Jesus seeks and saves those who see their need. Michael Bourdain is a spoken word artist who has a piece of poetry called Freak Show. I'm going to read just a portion of it to close this morning as we reflect on the good news of the gospel. The picture we paint in our minds is a far cry from the reality of heaven. When the saints go marching in, it won't be a parade of the almost perfect. God does not reserve grace for those who, are, who only need a little bit. The healthy are in no need of a doctor. The healer is for the sick. Heaven will be a freak show. The missus and the mistress, the foreign and the racist, the bullies and the geeks, all those who somewhere along the way believed, whose sins were forgiven and strength was given to love their enemies. So many, we swore there was no way in hell we'd see them in heaven. They will be there. We will be there. With a song on our lips and our eyes full of faith. And we'll sing, how amazing. Yes, grace. Father, we thank you for your grace. Thank you that you see us when we feel unseen. 
that you've seen us when we struggle to see, and that you save us not in spite of our need, but because of it. Lord, we thank you that though Zacchaeus climbed that tree to try to see you, you climbed the tree so that we could truly see you. Father, we thank you for your grace. Father, enlarge our vision of the kind of people that you are seeking. The kind of people that you set your gaze upon. And I pray that we would do the same. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 With hearts that acknowledge our need, we invite you to do. We partake of communion together as a family. I love this about communion. This is so many elements when we talk about communion. So many beautiful reminders and so many beautiful aspects of what communion is about. But one of the I want us to really think about focusing on this morning, as we approach communion, we approach because we're needy. We come to the table knowing that a God who fills and meets our needs, like our meat, our body needs food, and our body needs drink, our God has met all of our needs. So we come to the table needy. We come as imperfect people to invite us to this table by gracious God. So we confess earlier in our service, we acknowledge our sin and our need. We heard a message that spoke about how Jesus in our need meets us. He seeks those who long to see, who are aware of their, of their need. So this morning as we come to the table, the invitation to, is to those who believe, if you acknowledge your need, to come and partake of the body and the bread together. The body of the bread is not confusing. For those of you who don't know, those of you who are not, not used to this, who are confused about this, is, this is a sacrament given to us by Jesus himself. As a way for us to receive a means of grace that brings the body together. This is a family meal that we partake in, acknowledging our need, the fact that our Jesus can bet our need. That the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body which is broken for you. This is what happened on the cross. He took the cup. And he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. Spilled for you. And for us, as we gather together as a family, to take in this meal together, we remember the work of Jesus. And we feast in this meal and we receive this grace to the day he comes back when we ultimately feast in the cosmic, the wedding in the cosmic, the time will come when we feast together with him. And until that day we feast together as a family, know that his spirit and his presence is with us and we receive his grace. So the invitation is here for you, if you believe, to come and partake in this family meal together. We practice this meal here at Waypoint Church by teaching when you be given a piece um, of, the, of the bread and you dip it into the cup and you partake it. You can pray up, up here, you can take it back to your seats, you can however you wish to receive. 
We kind of have broken up the sections. There'll be stationed here for this section to come down this aisle here to see go around this way. This section here, this way. This section, this way, and so on. So as the servers are going to come up, and we want you to be aware. And this is the other critique as a family was given to us by Jesus. He's the only reason that we can come feast together. So we invite you as a family to, to partake in this meal together. We invite you to remember the cross and the work of Jesus. And know that even you, you and me, in our sinful state, we did nothing to earn and deserve the salvation that He gives us freely out of we get to feast together. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this meal. This heavenly banquet that we get to partake in together. That reminds us of the work of Jesus. That reminds us of one day that we'll feast together forever. And we receive this grace.